2: Welcome to the Daily Face Off Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top notch insight and analysis. Live every weekday at noon Eastern.
1: hey it is the daily face-off show today is july 5th 2022 it is the day after the 4th of july in the united states i still have all 10 fingers i'm proud of that and an extended weekend in canada after canada day on july 1st today i'm joined by our own chris gear former nhl general counsel and assistant general manager chris how was your extended weekend
2: it was great uh, nothing too special but anytime you can pack uh, four days together Uh, it's it's always a great time. Hope you had a great one too. And, uh, today, no Frank, no Tyler, no problem.
1: Yeah, we'll be good. I mean, we were both having competing pictures of the sunset. Yours, of course, coming from B.C., <laughs> mine from St. Louis. You can check out our Twitter feeds. And, yeah, I'm in the big chair today, hosting on Daily Face Off. excited to do it. And, Chris, lots has happened since the last show on this past Thursday. Okay. I mean, you look around the league and the Bruins hired Jim Montgomery. They officially announced him as their head coach. The same thing with the Winnipeg Jets and Rick Bonus, And then even at the Detroit Red Wings, Derek Milan appointed head coach there. Plenty more to get to as today goes along in the show so let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds on the clock let's light this candle chris last night espn's kevin weeks broke the news that the san jose sharks will be hiring mike greer as their new general manager after 19 seasons with doug wilson at the helm so Greer played over a thousand games in the nhl as a player he spent three seasons with the sharks organization so he knows it from the inside out um what's really cool here greer will be the first black general manager in the national hockey league in over 100 years of existence it's astonishing to think that we're just getting to this point so for greer after retiring he spent some time uh, in various roles around the nhl as a scout uh, he was also an assistant coach last year's with the rangers as coordinator of hockey operations alongside chris jury uh, so chris first you know what do you make of the hiring of mike greer as the sharks gm and then beyond that What is his to-do list for a team that doesn't have a coach in San Jose and has got all kinds of salary cap problems leading with the three big defensemen in Burns, Carlson, and Vlasic?
2: Yeah, well, to answer your first question, I think it's a really interesting hire for the Sharks. Uh, They were pretty open about wanting someone who had played for the organization and who understood the culture of the organization from back when they were, you know, a top-notch Organization and and routinely in the in the mix for you know Western Conference Finals and, and a really solid team for you know at least a decade and 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 Greer is someone who played with those teams and understands that culture and can hopefully be counted on to restore that to the Sharks. Uh, you know, your, your second question. They're in a mess right now. I mean, they—the only people that don't seem to realize that it's a mess are or maybe the ownership of the Sharks. Everyone else can see the writing on the wall. They've got bloated contracts on the back end with three defensemen that are in their mid-thirties and, and not playing. You know, maybe Brent Burns is still playing at that level, but you know, Carlson and Vlasic just have, have not and won't live up to those contracts. Uh, you know, up front they've got you know Timo Meyer and uh, Thomas Hurdle, but you know other than that they're I guess Logan Couture so may- maybe three top end guys and after that mm-hmm. slim pickens. and yet you look at them they've got six million of cap space and so they're not a team that that has the ability to do much this offseason until they start shedding some of those big D contracts and uh, I just don't know how they're going to do that so he's got a lot of work to do uh, starts by finding a head coach to lead this ship but uh Beyond that, it's uh, it's a steaming pile, and they've got
1: lots and lots of work to do there's a lot going on in vancouver or sorry we're going on in san jose and there's a limited pool of prospects (laughs) yeah and and you know from my standpoint i look at it with the three-headed monster in the crease what are you going to do there Kakanins and rfa hill Reimer. there's just a lot going on uh for mike greer the new gm as it'll be announced today of the san jose sharks exciting hire we'll see where it goes and another hiring that just took place right before we went on air today Dr. Haley Wickenheiser uh, has been hired on as an assistant general manager with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And also a big one there that the Maple Leafs hired Curtis Sanford as goaltending coach, plucking him from the Vancouver Canucks organization where he had been the development goalie coach in Abbotsford, working with the prospects. So uh, exciting from the goalie standpoint. But looking at Wickenheiser and now looking at the rest of the management structure of the Toronto Maple Leafs, you've got Ryan Hardy, Daryl Metcalf, Lawrence Gilman, Brandon Pridham. There are five assistant general managers, Chris. You have been an assistant general manager in the NHL. What would it be like to be in that room with so many different voices under GM Kyle Dubas?
2: Well, somebody on Twitter was saying it's like uh, Oprah Winfrey. You get an AGM title and you get an AGM title. Uh, You know, at the end of the day, I think titles probably don't matter as much as you know, how the GM chooses to allocate responsibility. So, you know, one of them is going to be the cap person, contract person. That's that's Brandon Pridham. It has been for years. Uh, Lawrence Gilman has typically been in charge of the AHL franchise. It looks like Haley has been given the title of assistant GM of player development. So she'll handle that aspect. You know, the other two guys in other organizations, maybe you call them advisors. I guess here they're calling them assistant GM. Um, it, it does seem a little crowded for my liking, but at the same time, uh, it, it really—if you allocate the responsibilities and, and find something that each person can own—then you know it, it can work. And I guess everybody feels feels loved.
1: <laughs> well, it's interesting for me because you know you look at Wickenheiser's ascent, obviously one of the greatest players of all time uh, from the, from the women's side, and really highly respected. You know, she went and got her doctorate, a medical doctor. Yet she's transitioning now into being an AGM in the league. So, you know, if you're looking at that from from that perspective, Chris, like, is this a real vote that Wickenheiser is in for the long haul in the hockey world? I would think so. I mean,
2: hockey's in her blood. Obviously, she's one of the greatest players to ever play the game on the women's side, and I would suspect this is this is something that. When the opportunity was given to her she couldn't pass up because it is as i said it's in her blood it's what it's what she's always wanted to do i would think so uh, not sure how the the phd fits into this mix but um you know you got to think that she's in it for the long haul and and the leafs uh, have somebody that's highly respected and it kind of worked her way up within the organization so uh, great for her and you know great to have another another woman in the game sometimes you know, they, they may be promoted into a role where they they haven't had uh, the the same progression that 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 maybe others do. But you got to put them there so that other women can can see that progression and see that it's possible for them.
1: Kind of reminds me when my dad wanted me to take the LSATs and become a lawyer after I was uh, finished up college. I'm like, yeah, I want to be a pro hockey player, Dad. I think I'm going to try that route first. So I wasn't able to find that balance. But before uh, we move along, we're looking back at this weekend still. And there was a big trade that occurred between the Tampa Bay Lightning, who sent veteran defenseman Ryan McDonough and a $6.75 million salary over the next four years to the Nashville Predators in exchange for defenseman Philippe Myers and forward Grant Mismash. And what's interesting here is that there had been talk about buyouts uh, of a buyout on Myers contract, which would have essentially given Tampa credit. But Julian Breeze, the GM of Tampa, said, no, we like the player. We're going to keep him around. He's got a $2.5 million, $2.55 million cap at from cap hit for one more year so you know effectively the lightning moved around and saved about four million dollars in cap space so chris do you think that there's any way now on a team like tampa that's still pretty tight up against the cap that this opens the door for a return of andre palat or jan ruta uh back into the mix we saw him grab nick paul on a team friendly deal seven years at a little over three per could we see palat still as a member of the tampa bay lightning
2: absolutely i think you can count on it now um you know even if they decide not to to buy out philippe myers they can start him in the ahl and get another 1.2 million almost in cap savings from burying that contract so you know that gets them up to you know 5.5 let's say um you know and plus they've still got ltir money that they can spend Mm -hmm. uh, from brent seabrook so I, i think at this point they've got plenty of money to come up with you know, probably the six or so million that it's going to take to keep Andre Palat, but you have to keep him. I mean, he was an absolute stud in the playoffs. Uh, He's still, I think, got uh, a number of good years left in him. And he's, he's a part of that core, you know, right there with, with Stamkos and Kucherov and Hedman. I mean, he's, he's a big part of what they're doing and the, the lightning certainly aren't done. Um, They'll be back. And, you know, just, I want to touch on that because you, my, my tweet showed up there, but you know, the problem I had with the McDonough deal wasn't, I mean, he's a fine player for, for Nashville mm-hmm. to acquire, but you know, four years at six, seven, five at 33 years old, like that is not going to be sustainable. And so Nashville had to get something back for taking on those later years of the contract. And instead of getting something back, they actually give up a player that Tampa can use for additional cap savings, or they can, put him in the minors and hope that they can redevelop him in that Syracuse pipeline. Um, you know, and Miss mash is, is not, you know, maybe a player that, that Nashville didn't see any future with, but you know, he can pop into to that AHL roster as well. So, you know, to not have any salary retention and nothing going back the other way, I think that's a big miss on Nashville's part. Uh, yes, they get a good player, but they're going to pay for that in the long run. And I just think they needed to get something back for that.
1: I'm curious to see how it plays out for David Poyle and company in Nashville. And uh, from the Palat standpoint, like you said, 21 points in 23 playoff games this year. You really saw how effective he was uh, with Braden Point out of the lineup and Palat playing that elevated role. We've been talking about the salary cap an awful lot, and that's going to continue throughout the draft that's going to be taking place Uh, this coming weekend or later in the week and you look at how the salary cap's been it's going to go up a million dollars next year to 82.5 million and that doesn't give a lot of flexibility for teams that are out there there's currently 13 teams that are within 10 million dollars of the salary cap as we talk right now it feels like every team is looking for cap space so i i want to know i mean who do you think you might have as a salary cap hero or a villain out there? I mean, I always root for the heel. I like the black hat. I've got a couple on my mind, but who do you see Chris is filling those roles in the NHL?
2: Well, I'll start with my villain and it's not because he's a bad guy, but it's just because of the situation he's going to put his team in and that's Johnny Gaudreau. So, you know, he's going to command 10 million dollars minimum and, and mm-hmm. that's that's definitely a minimum number. It could go up from there. So, you know, either he's going to find another home and leave Calgary and leave, you know, that whole franchise without arguably its best player, or he's going to find a way to sign there and leave them with such little wiggle room that when it comes to signing Kachuk and Mangiapane and Shillington, they're going to have to make some decisions and probably move one of those guys out. Um, So, you know, I just think Johnny's situation is such that either way, it's going to be um, it's going to lead to tough decisions in Calgary, which which will make him my villain. As for a hero, I'm going to go with a team, and I'm going to say it's the New Jersey Devils. They don't have as much cap space as some of the other teams, uh, Anaheim, Detroit, some of these have massive amounts of cap space. But New Jersey's got about $25 million, and they are poised to make moves. They Tom Fitzgerald's been on record of saying, you know, they don't want to wait much longer. They want to be competitive. They've got Jack Hughes and Nico Hischer, and they're, they're ready. They want to do something. They've been rumored in almost every trade that's happened. They're rumored to be in on every goalie out there. And I just think they're they're poised to do something um, really big here and use their cap space to try and uh, really have a shift in that team. They've got Jesper uh, Bratt, Miles Wood, and Pavel Zaka all as RFAs that they can either sign. Or move as part of big blockbusters. Uh, I think we're going to see them be really active.
1: Who, who do you got on your yeah, side? I yeah, I agree. I got two quick ones here. My my hero is going to be David Perron. I think he stays in St. Louis, but I I wonder how many years it's going to take for him to remain. He's played his best hockey, I think, in his last four seasons. But he's also going to be 34 years old. He was making four million dollars the past several years. So you know, do you spread out the AAV over a couple of years to keep him there? He's been great with Ryan O'Reilly, uh, and then for my villain, you know. I had the Ottawa Senators because I believe they need to spend – on veteran players to make that team sing around all that young talent that they have but news just coming across now that it looks like the senators will be buying out uh center colin white so that's going to give them some savings and allow them to be able to sp- potentially spend on the free agent market so hopefully they're proving me wrong because that team needs something to root for that city yeah. does uh and hopefully that arena deal on le flats goes through so we're going to pivot now take this over to this week's guest segmenting, Who's guess who the guest is? It's me, because we're doing the blue paint. Here we go. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can
2: prescribe
0: FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you.
2: All right. so as you said, we are doing the blue paint with none other than our own Mike McKenna. The blue paint is delivered by DoorDash. And Mike, we're going to throw some rapid fire questions uh, at you on the goalie market. And let's start with uh, one of the greatest goalies that's ever played the game, in my opinion,
1: the flower, Marc-Andre Fleury. Where do you see him ending up? I think there's a pretty decent mark out there or a mark. There's a market out there for Marc-Andre Fleury. And I think it starts in Minnesota because Bill Guerin would like to retain Marc-Andre Fleury if possible. He's on record saying that. And he did work in tandem with Cam Talbot nicely last year. Now, there's teams out there who are probably going to need Fleury more than the Minnesota Wild in my eyes. And I think you can't help but look anywhere like Toronto or even Colorado if Darcy Kemper walks. Mark Andre is not going to make $7 million like he did the last several seasons. He is turning 38, but You've got Craig Anderson over 40 who just signed another deal. Mike Smith played past the age of 40. I don't think age is going to be a restricting factor here. I think for Fleury, he's going to get to make his call. Does Toronto want him on a one-year deal? Does Colorado want him on a one-year deal? I think either of those could work. uh, And I think you can't count out Pittsburgh. And Tristan Jari uh, had a really good first half in most of the season. But you could see that the Pittsburgh Penguins could use some depth there. Would that work? Would Flower come home? I'm intrigued to see. But if I had to bet on it, I think that you've got Toronto, Colorado, Minnesota, Pittsburgh. It's kind of even here, Chris. It's hard to handicap the field on flurry. All
2: right. I like it. I'm going to get my popcorn ready for that one. Uh, Moving on, you mentioned Kemper. Obviously, Stanley Cup champion now. Um, You know, wasn't, wasn't awesome in the playoffs, but he did get the job done. Does Colorado hang on to him? do they go with flurry
1: and if they do something different where does where does mr kemper end up i think kemper holds a lot of cards here as well because he's you know, Fleury Kemper, you're, you're probably your top free agents that are available in the UFA market if that's the route you choose to take. And he's 32 years old. He made four and a half million bucks the last several years. And he's due a raise on that. You look at the rate for a Stanley Cup winning goaltender. Jordan Bennington's making six million dollars in St. Louis. If you're Darcy Kemper, you're looking at that deal and going, yeah, I want my four or five years at at least five and a half, six million bucks, I think, if not a little more than that. And that might price him out of Colorado. Colorado does have Eustace Ananen coming along, a goaltender that they believe in, but he probably needs another more another year in the American League. So, Pavel François has two more years. Do the Avalanche retain Kemper? You're gonna take four or five years, I think, on a contract to do it, I would guess. And it's going to take decent money unless Kemper just loved it there. Would he take a four-year deal at $5 bucks? I actually think it's feasible. I think Kemper could return to Colorado. But if he doesn't, boy, take a look around the league. you got New Jersey who wants a goalie desperately. You've got Toronto who would really have to move things around. I'd be a bit surprised with them given the term that Kemper would really be looking for. I don't think they're a great fit, but Edmonton. There's another team that could really use somebody with some stability and a little bit of pedigree there. So um, I'm thinking Kemper stays in Colorado, but that's just a pure guess because there will be suitors and there will be suitors with money waiting for him at the finish line.
2: Nice. Okay, two more guys for you. One was a guy that was potentially could have been a starter. Uh, anywhere around the league if he'd been given the opportunity and playing in your home city. And the other one is a guy that was a starter and was questioned as whether he should be. So I'm talking about Billy
1: Huso and Jack Campbell. Thoughts on those two guys? Okay. So Billy Huso is 27 years old. He's an unrestricted free agent and he's played 64 games in the NHL. How many of those types of goaltenders exist? They just don't. And he's, he's only played 64 regular season NHL games. He didn't have a great playoff this year, but I think in the regular season, he really showed that he can carry the mail at the NHL level. So there's a bit of risk if you're looking to sign Huso, but if you're a team like Edmonton, that's got a little bit of runway here. They're going to be good for a while. Do you take a, a slight gamble on a guy like Huso, who you think could really become a true number one in the league? He carried St. Louis for a long por- portion of this year, 919 save percentage. So I think Edmonton's a team that would love to have Huso at his age and his cap hit. He's probably going to come in, I don't know, probably between three and four million dollars. I would be, I would. Expect to happen for him, and that's probably priced him out of St. Louis. So Edmonton, to me, is a team that Huso would love. I'm sure even Washington would like to get into the mix if they could move a goaltender for Huso. New Jersey, we keep mentioning New Jersey. They seem to hold the keys to the goaltending uh, category in some ways. And you know, you look at Campbell; he's been tied to potentially New Jersey as a team that likes him, and and I could see that. The tough part I see for Campbell is that boy, do you want to win hockey games? You know, and that's where it might be tough because I'm not sure Colorado would go for Campbell. I don't know about Edmonton. I could see New Jersey. I could see Chicago. You know, I could see some of these lesser teams giving Campbell the payday that he wants. But if he wants to go to a club that's a contender and it's going to win, Chris, I'm a bit nervous for Campbell. So I think he's going to have to make a decision here on one, what's available and two, what may be the right fit for him. So Uh, Lots of interesting things coming in the goalie market. We still have trades that could happen as well. So a lot remains to be seen, Chris. And this has been the latest edition of the blue paint delivered by DoorDash. And you can see the promo codes right at the bottom of the screen here. DFODD in Canada, DFODD US. That's going to get you 25% off your first order and fleet free delivery. All your favorites and more delivered right to your door. You just had a big July 4th weekend, Canada Day weekend. Order dinner tonight, make it easy on yourself. It's been The Blue Paint presented by DoorDash. Eh, let's take it to the socials. Let's go to the daily face-off inbox question brought to you by Points Bet Canada. Hashtag DFO. Or sorry, hashtag ask DFO. Bring us those questions in. We always try to gather them from Twitter when we get a good one. And plenty coming up with the draft with free agency. Let us know what you want to hear. Today's question. Okay. Bob Bugner. He's out in San Jose. There's one coaching vacancy left to fill in the NHL. We await to see who, do, who gets that job. What about next year, Chris? What NHL coach currently has the hottest seat underneath him right now in the National League?
2: You know, just because it's a Canadian market and an intense one at that, I'm going to say Sheldon Keefe in Toronto. Uh, I, I think Keefe has actually done a good job. I mean, the, the team has been successful in the regular season, but they, they've got to get over that playoff hump. They've got to win a first-round playoff series. So, you know, I think, I think Keefe is a guy that... Early on, if the team doesn't get off to the start they want, they, they may want to shake things up. Toronto's always quick to pull triggers. Uh, and I think even if they let him stay for the regular season, if he doesn't win that first round, then then they move on and make a change. So I think Keith definitely has to be feeling the heat. Who's uh, who's your pick? Yeah.
1: Well, I, I mean, I, I always wonder about Vancouver, just because it's Vancouver and everybody's restless right yeah. now, and Boudreaux. Uh, it seemed like there was something of a contentious negotiation there, but... Yeah. Um, well, I hate to pile on a team that's that's not great, but I wonder about you know Dallas Eakins and Anaheim. You know, this is a team that's not any good. They're not going to be good for a while. And you know, a new GM comes in and Pat Verbeek. What's his job look like? So, I, and I really like him as a coach. So, I, I'm curious to see with those two. I I don't have anybody else around the league that I think is particularly warm just yet. But as you know, things There's can so change. Many new guys, that's right? That's right. I mean, half the league. Half the league has spent less than a year and a half as a head coach. So, you know, maybe we're at a lull, Chris, where it's only gonna take (laughs) until two thirds of the way before we start talking about hot seats for coaches. So, uh, and with that, let's take it to you, Chris. I'm gonna cede the floor to you for garbage time. What is on your mind?
2: Well, we saw over the weekend, uh, something you don't see very often, that is a player that rescinded a trade request. So uh, earlier this season or before the trade deadline, Jake DeBrusque of the Bruins uh, said he wanted out of Boston. Uh, now, they didn't, uh, they didn't move him at the deadline. And he actually, his, the second half of his season was actually quite strong. Uh, and whether it was, you know, the, the change in, in his play that, that helped him or whether it was just Bruce Cassidy getting fired. And I tend to think it had a lot to do with that uh all of a sudden now he's he's quite content in boston and he's uh he's told the team nope nope i want to stay put so very interesting you don't see it very much uh you know i think from a from a management standpoint if if they like the player and they figure he's happy now uh, you know maybe they will uh keep him there or, or maybe they surprise him and get rid of him anyway but uh curious uh you know you've been in locker rooms when a guy has requested a trade and or or Perhaps you've even been one where guys rescinded a trade. How does that affect the dynamic with your teammate?
1: It's just weird. You know, like I can't think of a player being so disgruntled to ask for a trade and then all of a sudden the coach goes away and he's fine. You know, and that's <laughs> kind of the dynamic I worry about is the inmates running the asylum a little bit. But I don't know the inner workings of the Boston Bruins. You know, from the outside looking in, it makes it look like it was either Cassidy or DeBrusque. Make your choice. And I obviously think it had a lot more to do with it than that. But um, I I don't think the messaging of it is particularly great, even from, you know, the Bruins standpoint that all of a sudden now, hey, everything's good because we fired our coach. That's what it comes across as, whether it's reality or not. So um, pretty interesting stuff. Rarely seen. I hadn't seen it, but. Um, I'm hoping Jim Montgomery can get an awful lot out of Jake DeBrusque. If he, when he plays hard, man, he's a handful uh, and obviously showed pretty well on that top line when he was filling in for a while this year. So uh, on today's show, we've covered a lot of ground here, Chris, thanks to you. The NHL entry draft is right around the corner starting this Thursday, July 7th, wraps up the next day the 8th. It's in Montreal. Our own Frank Saravalli, Tyler Uremchuk, Scott Burnside, they will be on location bringing you all the details. Until then, keep it locked on. On Daily Faceoff for all the news, insight, and analysis from around the NHL. On behalf of Chris Gear, producer Alex Allard, I'm Mike McKenna. Thanks for watching.
0: Because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear. And you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.